Why do you do what you do? Like, just sit with that for a second. Why do you do what you do? Whether it be your career, whether it be friendships, whether it be your parenting, whether it be the way you navigate your, your, your love life, all the different relationships, your hobbies and your passions. Why do you do what you do? And how do you know if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? You ever think about that? Like when you're just in motion of stuff, like do you ever pause to think, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And how do you know if you're doing it for the right reasons? I'm sure that wavers hour to hour, minute to minute, day by day. I can remember um, just out of college, uh, my college playing career didn't end the way I planned on it. Um, and my professional career surprised me. And I remember being in, uh, in town, and it was my final training before taking off to Utah. And I was having a conversation with one of my ex-coaches um, and an academy developer uh, here in town that I had a relationship with a long time, for a long time. And they're just asking me about what am I excited about? Hey, we're super excited for you as, you know, as coaches, as a club, as a city, like all these things that are happening. And I remember in the entire conversation, there was this thing in my chest that I was like, I don't want to do this. I actually don't want to do this thing that everyone's telling me to do, and I don't want to do this thing that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. I don't want to do this thing that I think is right, that of course, like the writing's on the wall, I've given my life to soccer for the most part, and a professional career is opening, like why would I say no? I can't say no. You don't say no to these things. But I remember just like the deepest pit in my stomach saying, I'm not in love with this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. What about you? Things that you're in right now, or maybe you've experienced this in the past, things that you've been a part of, and you just did it for whatever reason you were doing it. You were doing it because maybe other people were telling you that you should be doing it. Or maybe you felt guilt or shame that this is what I have to do, or maybe I've seen someone else do this, and I want to be like them, so that means that I need to do these things. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. Why do you do the things that you do? And right now in this moment, do you ever wonder if there's more to the things that you do? Or like, is this it? And some of you might find yourselves in an amazing spot where you're like, I want to do nothing else. Like, this is everything that like, is satisfying and fulfilling and I'm finding meaning and purpose. But I would bet that most of us in the room could ask the question, why do I do what I do? And not fully know why. But then attached to that and the part that can eat us up the most is then we don't feel like we're finding full meaning in it. We don't feel like we're finding full purpose in it. It's not giving us the fullness of life or the fullness of life to others. And I think as modern people here in America, it can be hard to put a finger on these things. Like if we look back so many years and we look across so many different cultures, what you did was pretty much fixed for you, whether it be the business that uh, your family was a part of and was just handed down to you, like your last name literally defined what you did as a family. I don't know, like your family was like a candlestick maker or something, like that's the meaning of your last name. Or maybe it was just a socioeconomic status that you found yourself in, that you were just handed the things that you're supposed to do. And I know for us as, as modern people, it's like, you're not boxing me in. Like, I, I will not play that game. I have freedom here and I will do whatever I want. But is that better? 
that we just have a plethora of options all the time to just do whatever we want to do at literally, you know, the, the drop of a hat. We can flip the, the switch so quick and we can change everything that we do and oftentimes that means changing who we are and we can fly from one thing to the next. I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to ask is what's your compass for what you do? Like, what's the thing you use as a true north to say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this what I should be doing? And is it really coming from you? And who, who, other, who else is dictating that? And who's playing in to these things? Are you longing for greater meaning and purpose in the things that you do? So as you think back on your work right now, the way you're parenting, your marriage, your friendships, the things that you find yourself doing on the weekends, whatever it is. Are you longing for more purpose and meaning in them? This morning, we're going to continue in origins. It's these four, four weeks, starting last week, we're going to solve all of the Old Testament. Um, there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, but we're grabbing four themes, just broad strokes of some themes that we find in the Old Testament. Last week, we started with creation. This Sunday, I want to talk to you about calling. And that's a major theme we see playing out. And really what we're looking at is all of these stories in the Old Testament, they're some of the oldest ones in human history. A lot of you don't even know where they started. They were actually oral traditions that would be passed down, called around fire pits in the woods. And at some point, they were written down. And it's a way for us that we can actually look into these stories to explain what's true about human experience, what was true all the way back then and still what's true for us today. So this morning we'll look at the beginnings of one man's story, just the beginning of it. And I think what we end up finding in this story is our own story. So Genesis 12, 1 says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this will end up becoming Abraham, you know, Abraham, Father Abraham had many sons, that whole story. He will end up becoming what he is, but it started with a calling. Now, I want to just catch us up real quick, because last Sunday we talked about creation, and there's about 11 verses in between what we were doing there and what we're doing here today. So let's check out this video just to get caught up a little bit. The book of Genesis. In the first video, we saw how chapters 1 through 11 set up the basic storyline of the Bible. God has created all things, and he makes humans in his image to rule the world on his behalf. The humans choose sin and rebellion, and so the world spins out of control into violence and death, all leading up to the rebellion and scattering of the people in Babylon. And so the big question is, what is God going to do to rescue and redeem his world? Well, out of that scattering at Babylon, the author traces a genealogy of just one family that leads eventually to a man named Abram, later known as Abraham. And God's promise to Abraham at the beginning of chapter 12 opens up a whole new movement in the story. God calls Abraham to leave his home and go to the land of Canaan, which God says will become his one day. And in that land, God promises to make Abraham into a great nation, to make his name great and to bless him. Now, these promises are connected back to earlier parts of the book. So Babylon had arrogantly tried to make a great name for itself, and that didn't go over very well. But God, in his generosity, is going to bestow a great name on this no-name guy, Abraham. 
And God's blessing of Abraham echoes all the way back to that original blessing God gave humanity in the beginning. So the question is, why is God going to bless Abraham and his family? And the last line of God's promise makes this clear. So that all the families of the earth will find God's blessing in you. Now, this is key for understanding the whole rest of the biblical story. God's plan is to rescue and bless his rebellious world through Abraham's family. And this is why the whole rest of the Old Testament story is just going to focus on this one family, eventually called the people of Israel. So I want you for a second, in all of that, imagine being Abram, who pops on the scene. He's in his late 70s, he's married, he's lost a brother at this point, has one other. And he is in some form of communication with God who is saying that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you to a point where there will be a nation. You will have a great name. And he's standing there old, you know, past most of the fertility cycles that we may see. And his wife, about the same age, and she's barren. She literally cannot have kids. So Abram's standing here, and in verse 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And he's telling him to, to just to go and do this thing. I want to bless you in all these ways, but the way those blessings come literally cannot happen physically because he has to have a son. So if you can imagine Abram, he's standing there, why would I go on this? Why, why would I go do this? Why would I pick up? Why would I leave everything that I know? Why would I leave my family? Why would I leave my namesake? Why would I, why would I leave the inheritance that, that could come? All the different things that he is attached to, that define him, that he does, whatever it is. And now he has to take off based on a blessing that seems absolutely impossible. And I think for a second, here's where we can very quickly enter into Abram's story that there are things in our lives that we do not understand. There are things in our lives that we do not feel capable of. There are things in our lives that physically cannot happen, yet there could be things in our lives that we feel called to do. There are things in our lives that, that we feel like God has intentionally said to us, I want you to do this, but then immediately, why would you take me from everything I know? We'll get into a little bit more specifics in a second, but the story of Abram is our story. My question is, why would he do this? Why would he go from his country and his people and his father's household, again, off of this blessing that just seems absolutely impossible? Parker Palmer, a spiritual author, writes this, vocation, which we can use interchangeably with calling, at its deep, deepest level is, this is something I can't not do. For reasons I'm unable to explain to anyone else and don't fully understand myself, but are nonetheless compelling. These are the things that, that I literally cannot afford to not do. I don't understand how I'm going to do them. I don't understand how they're going to get carried about. I don't understand what's going to happen from here, but all I know is that I can't not do this. Anyone had an experience like that before? Is there anything in your life where everyone's like, why, what are you doing? Why would you do this thing? And you're like, honestly, I, I don't know. Like, this does not make sense. I don't understand what's going on, but I just feel like I can't not do this. And I wonder if that's a part of hearing God's call in your life. Where, like, it just does not make sense. That God's ways are so much bigger, so much larger, so much higher 
that we cannot grasp what actually is going on, but we just, we know that there's this thing deep within us. But if we notice, God calls Abram to leave, to go, and then the blessing comes after. So there's a connection here to say that in God's call, oftentimes it looks like leaving before receiving. How uncomfortable is that? Like, I, I, like Caitlin and I are gonna, we're going to be out of town this week. And like, I'm not just going to drive out of town and then like figure out what we're going to do or what do I need to bring or all those things. Like, I will not leave on a trip knowing that I'm not prepared for what's to come. So I want to know where are we headed? What are we doing? What kind of activities are there going to be? How should I? You know, all the different things that go into it. I mean, that's just getting in the car and driving a few hours. What about relationships? What about what you're doing for a career? What about the random things that you feel inside that cause you to move somewhere or to give away possessions or whatever it is? I don't know about you, but that is highly uncomfortable to me. Highly uncomfortable. And there's this piece here that in this leaving before receiving, I think oftentimes are we willing to leave the comfort that we find ourselves in? Are we, are we willing to leave the security that I know what's going to happen tomorrow because I can plan out? Are we willing to leave the idea that I know what retirement is going to look like because I can start saving now or I have been saving to this point? Can we leave the things that have been passed down to our families that say you have to do this, you have to be this, you have to follow in this way? Can we leave the idea that I will not step out and risk because I don't want to be embarrassed? I don't want to look like a fool to other people. I mean, the list goes on and on and on where I think that we can very quickly connect to Abram's story. And when God is calling you in your life, are you able to leave? trusting that if that thing that is inside of you that you can't not do, you are, you are going to receive. So what are you unwilling to leave right now? What have you been unwilling to leave in the past? What's the thing that you might be most unwilling to leave in the future? What could be in the way of you receiving the call that God has on your life? I remember Caitlin and I getting married, and we did not know where we were going to live. Um, we had no idea. Uh, we ended up in my parents' garage for a little bit. That was fun. Uh, love my parents for taking us in. Uh, but we were, I was in between uh, just not knowing what was going on with injury and contracts and things, and we had a few locations that we were planning on being after a honeymoon all out of state. Um, and then we get back from our honeymoon. Our bags were still packed like we were not planning on staying in Fresno. And then I'd get my second injury, and that's about it. And we end up in Fresno, which we're so thankful for. The time we were not. We were not expecting that. But if we were to look at it differently and say, we have to know everything that's going to happen in our marriage. We have to know what everything's going to look like, how this is going to be a blessing, how this is going to be good before we actually get married. We, we still wouldn't be married. We would just, or the wedding date would just get pushed back further and further and further to actually step into something, to leave the comfort of not knowing what's going to happen, but then being open to receive the blessing that is to come. I can remember my last sermon at uh, Valley Friends where I was co-pastoring before we stepped out to plant. And a few months before that, I had told them, like, hey guys, I, I don't think I'm going to be here next year. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but I just, I'm not going to be here. And then that time kind of expedited and 
end of January, I remember giving my last message and I didn't know what life was going to look like. I had no idea. There's this notion like, hey, like we're going we're to kind of step into what church planning looks like here, but we have no idea what income's going to look like for the next few months. Caitlin was working full-time at that place, you know, luckily, or in that season. Remember, this is, this is a cool story. Anything about this? We leave, literally having no idea what's going to happen for the next couple of years. Um, I think Andrew and Brian Ross and I, like, we always kind of started having conversations and little things, but just no security at all. And we step out, and the church said, hey, Ryan, we want to bless you with three months of pay. We want you to rest. We want you to be refreshed. We want you to start stepping into what God is calling you to do. And after that, we had no idea. We had no idea what was going to come. And about two months in, I get a call from one of my co-pastors that I was with, and he has a, a buddy in Chicago that was starting a business out here in California. And he needed someone to just represent some things, to show up in some doctor's offices, to send some emails, you know, all these different things. And I have a sales background. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. This will be a great little part-time gig in the, you know, in the in-between. Um, and he starts, he sets this thing up. I go to a meeting and he just starts sending like a $3,000 check each month and expecting things to like pick up and get going. And then this, it's a snag and FDA approval, all these different things. And he's like, hey, you know, we're not ready yet, but I'm just going to keep sending the check. So I, I literally have sent one email at this point and showed up to one conference call. And for nine months, I received a $3,000 check. Had only sent one email and showed up to one conference call. And at some point, he had to pull the plug, like it, it did not make sense anymore. But he just kept sending the blessing. He had no idea what my financial situation was like. He had no idea what was going on in our lives. He had no idea what the transition was. But in the time, I didn't know what else to do. I knew that I could not not step out. But I did not know what the future was going to hold. And I don't tell that story as an automatic thing for all people, but that just popped into my mind like there was a leaving before receiving in that moment. But it came from this place that I, I don't know how to explain this, guys. This does not make sense, but I am not going to be here next year. So again, why would Abram do this? Why would you and I do something like this? If we go back to Genesis 12 too, it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. See, a major part of this is that God does not just want to bless Abram. God wants to bless the entire world. See, the, the call on our lives to leave, to receive, is not just about us. It's not just about Abram. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. But blessing is immediately attached to others being blessed. Frederick Buchner says, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Now, there's so many nuanced layers to this. You know, I know in a lot of leadership circles and business development, all these things, you know, you're always trying to find the things of like, where are your gifts and your talents and your passions and like your joys and your life, like everything needs to line up and hey, that's, where you're, that's what you're supposed to do. And there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I don't think we willingly run around and go and doing everything that we hate. Like you will run out of energy very quickly. But there are ways in which God has designed you. There are ways in which God has wired you there's ways in that your story is uniquely designed from everyone else's story, which means that your call is different than everyone else's call. You are more sensitive to other people's needs than other, others might be to those needs, right? If, if you actually hold those two and say, God, what are you doing in and through me? And God, what are you doing in and through the world around me? And I wonder if those two could align. And for some, this doesn't mean you need to do anything different, but you might need to go about it differently, 
Is your job just the means to put food on the table? Is your relationship just the means to kind of find fulfillment from someone else? Are the ways you parent just because this is the way you do things, not necessarily what your kids might need? I mean, go on and on and on. It may not be that you need to do something differently, but you might need to go about it differently. Are you asking the question of God, what are you doing in and through me while I'm in this context? And what are the needs around me and how do those line up? God's blessing isn't just for you. God's blessing is through you. John Wimber, the catalyst of the vineyard movement, would say, I am just spare change in God's pocket to be spent. God's blessing isn't just for you. God's blessing is through you. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his, new, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh, Eshachem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. There's a few things here. One, at the end of seven, to your offspring, I will give this land. Do you know that Abram actually never saw the land that God was calling him to? To give up everything, to leave everything, to be promised this blessing, and then to not receive that actual blessing. To see that exact thing that you are called to. But in the midst of that, there's these two things here. Each of these um, just two uh, verses end with this. Um, Haran, and they set up for the land of Kevin, and they arrived there. Sorry. Uh, at the end of seven, the Lord appeared. Abram said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then we see this pick up again in verse eight. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of Abram just going on this wandering thing because he feel like God, feels like God is calling him to something, he doesn't actually see what God is blessing him with. He actually does not see what, is, what the land that's going to be the possession that is going to be a great nation that is going to give glory to God, all these different things. But in the midst of this, he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram continued to worship God in the season of waiting, in the season of feeling so called to something but not actually realizing it, in the season of feeling like, man, this is it, but it's just not here yet. Abram continued to worship God. So in your context right now, in all the things that you are doing, how are you worshiping God? How are you being formed right now for the call that God has on your life? How are you being formed to receive the blessings that God has for you? How are you being formed so that your blessings aren't just for you, but they're for others? What are you doing in the in-between? If there is one. Maybe the succinct way to put that is who are you becoming in and through this? I think right now, for many reasons, um, and maybe for some more than others, this idea that God has placed a call on our life this idea that, that God has, has actually, like, wants some specific things for us. One, it can be hard to imagine, because there are aspects that, like, 
I don't know if you need to move to that town to do what God's calling you to, right? I mean, there's so many things that we can inject into things. Like, I feel like they're not all of God. I don't believe that. They also can be, though, right? So there's so many nuanced layers here. But then the reality that you yourself feel called to specific things in your life, but you're struggling right now. You are dealing with hardship, physically, mentally, emotionally. You're, you're in a context or an environment that is just tumultuous. Like, you can't even think about looking outside yourself right now. I don't even know what it looks like for a blessing to pass through me because I don't even feel like I'm receiving a blessing right now. And I think that's a reality for a lot right now, but that's a a reality for all of us at certain times. That is why it's so important to look at Abram. Like we are here today because of his faith. We are here today because he felt like inside of him this call from God is something that he could not afford to not do. And I believe that he full-heartedly stepped into the idea that, Abram, this is not just about you. This is so that the entire world can be blessed, that all people can be blessed. Do you believe that in your circumstances, God is actually up to something bigger than just yourself? He's up to something bigger than just the enjoyment in your job. He's up to something bigger than just finding that right thing to receive from someone else in a relationship. He's up to something bigger than the crappy circumstance you find yourself in right now. Can we continue to worship him in the waiting? Can we continue to be formed in the waiting? So this morning, what does it look like for you to trust in God's call on your life? And I don't know what that is. I don't know what that call is. I don't know how many calls are layered in there. But what does it look like for you to trust in it? What does it look like for you to wait in it? And what does it look like for you to leave for God's call? We'll wrap up with this, and I'm going to, an invitation to somebody. We'll see if it's received. Um, Yeah, through all of this, I I read a story that Henry Nouwen, uh, another spiritual author, um, wrote, and he was talking about uh, the trapeze flyers. You know, you go to Circus Circus, and someone's hanging upside down on the ceiling, and they're flying across the place, and then the other one's on the other side, and they, you know, one leaves, and they're in the air, and they get caught the whole thing, right? I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. And he's having a conversation. He actually befriends these, these, this um, kind of this group that was traveling, uh, and they take him in. He, it was kind of like a uh, kind of like a groupie of uh, of these people for a week. I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, but he's in conversation with them, and he asks about just their success and how it works and all these things. And the head flyer points to the catcher as the one who does everything. The person that's hanging upside down on the rope the entire time is the one who does all of the work. I mean, I would think it's the person risking, you know, being that high and letting go of everything. And now you're flying across the air like, I'm doing everything here. Like, let's, let's be honest. I'm the one taking the ma- massive risk here. But he says that everything is in the catcher. If the flyer does anything, if the flyer is the one that tries to grab the other wrists, they're more likely to both break their wrists. If the, the flyer is the one that's trying to control the tempo or the moment, everything that happens, they will inevitably fall to the ground each time. He says it is the catcher that does all of the work. A flyer must fly and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. How true is that of the call of God on our lives? 
that we might be called to leave something without having any idea of what it looks like to receive. But can we trust that he is hanging securely with his arms outstretched, saying, just fly, let go, I've got you. Because in the air, in the moment that we connect hands, you will find yourself in situations and contexts that will be so much greater than you could ever do by trying to control everything, by trying to avoid the call that you feel so deeply in your life for whatever reason that gets in the way. And even more so beyond that, and I love this connection with Abram. I heard this from Tim Keller that was so beautiful. Everything for Abram was put into the promise of a son. Everything for us is put into the promise of a son. That we can actually step into trusting that God does not just hang there with his arms stretched out, but he actually leaves and somehow still hangs on and meets us where we're at and says, child, son, daughter, my arms are outstretched, but I'm also willing to leave and bring you closer. I want you to leave. Will you step into the call that you are feeling so deep within? Can you trust that I will catch you? And that is who we see in Jesus. God himself who has come off of the rope, who has entered into our lives, who has adopted us, who has called us beloved, and has placed the greatest call in our life. Again, I don't know what it looks like in the little moments in the day-to-day, but I know overall God's call on your life is to worship him to be willing to let go of everything else that you feel like you have to hold on to and to be open to the mind-blowing things that he wants to do in and through your life. You are not just living a simple, ordinary life with God.